You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Hi, Jason here from Two Sides of Phi to set up today's episode. In our last video, Eric and I discussed my thoughts to part ways with my financial advisors. Today, we'll pick up that conversation where we left off. So if you missed part one, be sure to listen to that first. Thanks. So Jason, right. what, did, what have you decided? Now that we've had this conversation for the umpteenth time, my brilliant advice has led to you to this decision. What is it? I have. Uh, well, it's been about four months now since I... Uh, graciously broke up with my financial advisors and uh, went out on my own. <laughs> Huge surprise. I'm glad you did it, man. I'm curious to know how it went down. Um, give us a little timeline because, you know, we publish these videos. There's a little bit of a lag between when yeah. we record them and when we actually get to edit them and publish them. So tell me how it all happened. Well, uh, yeah, to your point, we had our conversation that we recorded at the end of November. And I was pretty sure by the end of that call that I knew where I laid. But like all big decisions, you know, I tried to sleep on it. And the next day was resolved to uh, <laughs> to take the step. And, that was quick. Uh, Lori, yeah, Lori was on board. with. Well, like we talked about, you know, I, I was pretty sure I was there, but I, it really helped me talking through it and thinking about the pros and cons, because, of course, you argued both ways, which is, is fair. Um, but I was pretty sure, you know, after that call and the next morning I was on board. So I texted my financial advisors and basically just said, you know, can we set up, you know, 10, 15 minutes sometime to go over a question I have. And what was unexpected was they just called me right back. <laughs> Yeah, they, they knew it was happening, man. Yeah. And I was like out and about. I was downtown like doing some errands. And so now I'm like ducking into an alley, like taking a call, like kind of, you know, finding my words like in the moment. Yeah. So right. not you're you're a hyper planner. So not, not I am ideal situation. <laughs> not not what you're expecting. But did they they try and keep you? Did they? Did I mean, they I think there was sell? one, you know, very polite um you know, comment at one point after I had, you know, kind of expressed what I was uh, aiming to do and said, well, if, you know, if you were uncertain in any way or had questions, I would try to, you know, convince you to stay. But uh, I mean, I, to the conversation we had, I just said that I was, you know, appreciative of the time we'd had together. I found great benefit in it and appreciated our relationship, but I was ready to graduate yeah. uh, and take this on myself. And, uh, like you said in our conversation, they weren't surprised. Uh, yeah. They saw it coming. Uh, maybe it was that 90-minute meeting that we talked about. I don't know. But, I mean, uh, it was a really good call. I didn't expect anything different. It's a really positive relationship. And, uh, yeah, just said, okay, send send us an email and with it in writing, and we'll talk about what we need to do to part ways. And, you know, best wishes to you. Yeah. Did, had you ever considered trying to negotiate the fee? It's, uh, it's an asset under management uh, structure that you were operating under. Had you considered saying, hey, what if you did half a percent? Yeah, I, I didn't. You know, honestly, you know, they landed in, in pretty much a, a very middle of the road place in terms of their fee schedule when I had looked at the options out there, you know, either when I signed up with them or later on. So I knew that they were in a good spot. I w it wasn't being taken advantage of in any way. But no, it didn't really occur to me to say, well, I would stay if you kind of cut your fees. Um, it, I don't know. It didn't seem right. And yeah. I honestly don't think they have a tough time getting 
good clients. Well, um, I was going to say, if people try and negotiate fees with me, and I am not the cheapest architect in this area by a long shot. And yeah. when I have a client who comes to me and says, yeah, I really, really want to work with you, but um, you know, can you cut your fee in half? Yeah. Um, that's a red How's flag that go? to me, <laughs> number one. Uh, but also, you know, when they start using comparisons like, oh, well, I can work with this architect and they're only charging, you know, a 5% fee. And I just say, that's great. You, you absolutely should work with them. And you should also ask yourself how the service is going to be different. Like, right, right. That makes sense. There's something in there, that 5% that they're not charging. So you have to ask yourself, what, what am I giving up? Boy, that's a really tricky thing. And, and knowing who these advisors are. I would just guess they would have said, eh, good luck to you, man. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have to. I'm sure they would have, yeah, very politely declined right. that, uh, you know, they, they keep a consistent fee schedule or something like that, which, you know, totally makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, and I really respect that, actually. So you were with these guys seven years, something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think about seven years. Yeah. What changed? What gave you the confidence to say, all right, I'm ready to graduate? Well, I think it was uh, first and foremost, just the accumulation of knowledge and experience I got working with good advisors. You know, they taught me a lot along the way. And then certainly in the last now almost two years since I stopped working, uh, I've spent just so much more time with my portfolio, yeah. um, you know, really understanding my goals very clearly, my spending and the role of everything in my portfolio and just decided, you know, to your point, you know, graduated is a good word. Uh, I felt like I knew what I needed to know. And so that trepidation kind of went away when I was honest with myself and reflected on what was really giving me pause. These were things easily resolved and, and talking through that just made that that much more clear. Yeah. I think you had a lot of value created when they set up the, the plan, the portfolio, yeah. right? You're operating totally. it through the transition phase into FI. And then you had the kind of training wheels on they're they're in the co-pilot seat with you while you're navigating the first basically two years of your early retirement. And to me, see you got you got all the value you possibly could out of them and probably more yeah. given the the number of questions I know you asked of them. So yeah, it feels like it was an appropriate time to graduate. What um what has changed in terms of handling your portfolio? Are you looking at it more often or is it like a quarterly check-in or how how is that going? Yeah, I mean that that you asked the right question. I think, you know, going forward, it's going to be basically quarterly at this point. Okay. In the first month or two, I was in there a lot more often because I was setting things up. I had some changes I wanted to make. I, I know we're going to talk about that. Um, and I needed to be in there to do those things and you know do the streamlining that I wanted to do, uh, et cetera. And so in the in the first month, maybe six weeks, I was in there, you know, probably a few times a week doing some of that work. Um, but now that that's passed now, like I say, about four months later, yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty rare at this point, unless I have something to do. Okay. So you're not like me. <laughs> I'm not like you in this respect. Okay. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, especially, you know, but to be fair, Eric, you know, we've had a lot of volatility. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Months. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. here, let's pick four months of uh, very different market conditions than, you know, last year, 2021. Yeah. Right. So end of December, early, you know, first couple of months of 2022 have been pretty up and down. Has that, are you glad you don't have co-pilots anymore? Are you sad? Are you mad? What's, how are you feeling? I, actually, I, I feel very fortunate because the things I wanted to do, 
from a timing perspective, I got done at sensible points in time. And then once we did start to have churn and I was still had a couple of things I wanted to do, I was able to do some tax loss harvesting, for example, and get out of funds more easily from a, a gains perspective and taxes I might have realized into the funds I wanted to be in. So yeah. I want to be clear that I didn't make like insane amounts of huge sweeping changes because like you said, I had a great plan that I felt very comfortable with, but the tweaking I needed to do, I got to do at times where it made sense. But yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say there were moments of pause where I was watching the market swing wildly like, that's yeah, was kind of nice not having to think about it so actively. But on the same note, I also knew it was like a little artificial because I just happened to have stuff that was having me in my account more than I wanted to be or more than I would usually be, I should say. And so I was just more aware of daily volatility. But now that I'm not in there as much, I mean, I might hear, you know, on the news or something that there's a, you know, a drop or, or something, but I'm not noticing it to the same degree. So I, I think over time, yeah, for sure. The answer is that I feel okay. As an outside observer of this, um, watching you work through the sort of questions that you had with your financial advisors and seeing all the value that you got with them, I feel like you kind of lucked into this really great relationship because I know having spoken with other people that not everyone has that same experience. Like not every financial advisor has your best interests in mind all the time. You know, they're not always thinking about every sort of nuanced you know, personal situation, um, and how to fine tune and tweak your portfolio. Like I know your financial advisors were, um, yeah. it also strikes me that you, you weren't completely hands off. And I know some people hire financial advisors and think, Oh, they got this. I don't yeah. have to check in. Some people just say it's on autopilot. I'm good. And I think it really does bear some check-ins. Like, I mean, maybe not, every quarter. Uh, but I mean, maybe just when you're getting started, it's more often than just trying to get yeah. a feel for how, you know, is this operating the way I think it should? Like how, what do the expenses look like? Because I know your advisors were very clear about what this is costing. They were very, you know, forthright and upfront yeah, about up it. Front. And that's a big part of what you're, I mean, you're spending a significant 1% is a lot of, you know, <laughs> that's a big fee. So it yeah. can be significant and you should be confident that you're getting the value out of that and that they have your interests in mind, that they can field the questions that are important to you and not just presume that everything they're putting you in is the right thing. You ask some very pointed questions about, hey, what about the expense ratio on this fee? You know, when I put the expense ratio from, from this fund on top of your fee, it's like, doesn't feel right to me. And they explained, they walked you through it, right? Yep, and and they I did. think you, it does mean people can't just set it and forget it. I don't think this is one of those cases where you can do that. Well, I mean, candidly, I think a lot of the reason that, that a portion of the people who work with advisors under AUM do it because it is very hands-off. Yep. They, they don't have the interest in digging in deep and learning the stuff. They're probably not going to ask a lot of questions. And I suppose that does add risk if, if they happen to find themselves with advisors either not as capable or not as forthcoming as the individuals I worked with that could and and is taken advantage of yeah, sometimes, totally. uh, you know, inadvertently or intentionally, I fear from some of the things I've read uh, online and that, you know, to the comment you made in that episode, right, there's a reason that reputationally um, question is raised. Sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would I would put it that there is at least a lot more risk if you take a completely 
hands off, you know, step back approach to working with advisors. I think even if you do decide an AUM model is a good fit for you, you want to be engaged, ask good questions, because that's what conceivably you're paying for a full service. Right. And so if you're not getting it, there's probably better ways to work with somebody. So speaking of other ways to work with somebody, this is a good setup for a future episode of ours. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Yeah. So there are other ways of working with financial advisors. Uh, you know, assets under management is one that is often criticized in the fire community. And you know, we know the drawbacks of that. Yeah. Uh, we work really hard to keep our expense ratios low. And so you and I actually hired financial advisor um, on a one-time fee arrangement, right? Yep, that's right. And uh, yeah. it'll be fun to dig into that because now we have the comparison of the assets under management crew and we have the one-time fee guy. <laughs> we keep to we do. compare and contrast. I can't wait to share that with people because we, we actually learned a lot. We did. Absolutely. It'll be fun. Cool, man. Cheers. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Two Sides of Fi.